0: Mr. Gorbachev tear down this wall.
1: Either you're with us or you are with the terrorists. If you've got healthcare already, then you can keep your plan if you are satisfied
2: with it. Donald Trump is not going to be president
3: of the United States. Take it to a bank.
4: Together,
3: we will make America. Great again.
4: We shall never surrender. never surrender.
5: It's what you've been waiting for all day. The Buck Sexton Show. Join the conversation. Call Buck toll free at 844-900-Buck. That's 844-900-2825. The future of talk radio. Buck Sexton.
6: Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. Great to have you with me. Honor, privilege, and pleasure have you in the Freedom Hut. 844-900-BUCK, 844-900-2825. Should you have any thoughts, opinions, queries, sonnets, haikus? Actually, don't call them with a haiku because that's just... But you're welcome to call them with anything you want, actually. So please do give us a ring. Let us know what your thoughts are on all things. We have much to discuss today. Obviously going to take a trip down memo lane. We've got to get into the latest on Release the Memo. Ooh, man, I, I got I got mixed emotions, mixed feelings about what this is all going to turn into. I'm seeing all this reporting, including right on Fox News, that it's about to happen. Not like while I'm on air, although wouldn't that be interesting? Probably tomorrow, people are saying maybe Monday. As I have told people earlier today when I was on uh, Outnumbered on Fox News, which is a show I love doing. It's a great show. It's really fun, It's really uh. Good conversation, upbeat. Really like it. But uh, well, that was earlier today, and I just said, "Look, there's, there's not a, there's not another option here other than release the memo. There's no other. What do, you, what do you do to this point? I mean, this is, this is like you're gonna turn this memo into the, into the Roswell, you know, landings and aliens and stuff. You can't do that. Oh yeah, we've been talking about this for weeks. It's been a non-stop news cycle on the memo. But you know what? Sorry, America." Think about what that message... I mean, it's actually gotten to the point where it's almost comical. I know it's about really serious stuff. Think about what the message would be that this is sending. Neither the president nor the Congress, really, has the uh, ability, the right to tell the American people about what a subservient branch... I mean, sorry, subservient part of, not branch, part of the government has been up to. Yeah, That's a good precedent to set to set. Let me tell you, one of the things that most separates us from all these scary countries around the world, people will talk about fascism and a police state. I'm somebody who knows something about how intelligence works in this country, but also in other countries, too. One of the things about different intelligence agencies is they spend a lot of time learning about what intelligence is like in other countries. Right. And here's a sign of a country that you got to be concerned about when you're think when you're talking about liberty and rule of law and civil rights and all that, all that good stuff. When the intelligence agencies or agency, if it's kind of one super agency, uh, when they are accountable to no one except. The leader. And in fact, in many ways, are more powerful than the leader. Then you got a really bad situation going on. And what you will also see historically is that there are plenty of times when whoever was running the intelligence agency of any given country. This definitely in in the 20th century. That's when we really have had the whole notion of a modern intelligence organization. Right. Before that, it was very different. And before you had mass communication and, you know, it was tough to be doing stuff at, at a certain speed and uh, before you had phones, right? <laughs> before you had radio. Um, but you had people that would be senior in the intelligence agency who would end up running the country, right? You know, people that were the higher ups of whatever the internal security service was. And they end up running the country. And that's because they can amass so much power. Because if they don't have any restrictions on the information they can get on people, think of what that means for their sway in politics, even if they don't have elections. Although, you know, a lot of countries have elections that are for show. You look at some of the different stands, for example, and you got, yeah, there are elections. The one candidate wins 98 percent of the vote and has for the last 30 years. But there are elections. I always love that, too. What's, why not just go 99%, you know? Why stop at 98 or 97%? I just wanna, maybe it's so the, they, they put some people on notice. It's like, hey, maybe we could say later on that you were part of that naughty 2% that didn't vote for the same guys running the country for 20 or 30 years. But the bottom line here, folks, is you can't have an intelligence and law enforcement apparatus that is above the law and above people above the people, we the people, you just can't do it. And this whole conversation has, I think, done so much more damage, so much more damage to our trust and faith in institutions than was necessary. Does anyone really think that the FBI doesn't have people who make mistakes? I also noticed that we're so focused on the FBI. FBI is a subsidiary of the Department of Justice. This is all really DOJ. And the DOJ was run by, recently... Loretta Lynch. And before that, Eric Holder. Anybody really think that they were running a shop that wasn't political? Come on. Right. We all know. We're all we're all big boys and girls here. We all know this. This is not surprising. And I've been trying to avoid what the Democrats want us to do here, which is to make this all about the institutions. Oh, they've been complaining about institutions from the very beginning. And I always want to respond to them in this instance. What could be a bigger abuse i mean if we're not worried about the fbi the doj involving itself in a partisan fashion or really in any fashion in a presidential election hoping to turn it one way or the other by using spying powers if that doesn't worry us what's the point of having an oversight committee i mean if congress isn't going to use and and look i think they have and they will and Probably tomorrow we're going to find out what's in this memo and everything else. But if they're not going to use their oversight powers for this, then why do they have oversight powers? Now, let's, let's all just keep it real here. Let's not get caught up in the nonsense. There is just, frankly, no way that this memo was going to be suppressed, that that was going to be okay. That was never going to be okay. I've been trying to tell you all along here, uh, and I actually went to Twitter today just so I kind of had a written version of my prediction for what's going to happen. Uh, you know what? I, we're going to talk about some other stuff today on the show, too, because I'm sure you start to get memo fatigue. I got memo fatigue. And one of the things that keeps me going with it is just every time I want to move off the memo and talk to you. But, you know, like we talk cartels, North Korea. We cover a lot of ground here the economy. Clearly, right? My latest escapades in the kitchen with cooking. I'll tell you about that, too, later on. A lot of things, Netflix shows, action movie quotes, you know, you listen. But every time I see a false narrative from the left about this memo, I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not, I can't let them get away with it. I, I almost have a compulsion to shoot down their lies because it bothers me. It really does bother me. And they've tried so many different dishonest and in some cases quite slimy tricks to either make the memo go away or make it seem like it's not a big deal uh i've written out what i think is going to happen so here's my my memo prediction for tomorrow and we'll see how accurate i am based on this number one fusion gps dossier usage confirmed for fisa warrant i think we will see that fusion gps played a role here now we already think that but it'll be confirmed which is different that is different okay number two Other unspecified things still kept classified, also part of the warrant. Now, I can't tell you what that is. I don't have access anymore, which is a good thing, because if I did, I couldn't talk to you about any of this anymore. But that's, I think, going to be a part of this as well, which then leads into number three. Democrats will argue that this is a tiny part of the overall picture. So you're going to have the GPS dossier Hillary Oppo was used by the spying apparatus, at least in some level, in some way, to look at Trump people. I think that will be confirmed tomorrow. These are my predictions. And then the Democrats will say, well, but there's other stuff. And so, therefore, number three here is that they will argue this is a tiny part of the overall picture. What's the other stuff? Oh, I can't tell you that. Sources and methods. Sources and methods. And number four is going to be that the DOJ, however, to anybody who is being honest about this, looks bad what I mean by that is this was a presidential election, everyone. The, the threshold, the bar for what should be needed to use the spying apparatus of the United States government, and we're talking the high-level stuff here, the threshold for using that against a presidential campaign? You know, I remember, you know, when I was working on the intelligence side, that we got so many like lectures and ethics training and and had legal repercussions and ramifications. It's like you do not mess around on U.S. soil with A, B, or C. You do not do these things, those things, and it was really. And FISA is treated within the community, at least it used to be, as highly sensitive, very. Close hold stuff. And, you you know, and if you ever were to have abused FISA in any way, it was not you were. I mean, the least of your problems was going to be that you were getting fired. Right, So. Given that, that the Department of Justice could have allowed this to happen, even if it is not. Immediately provable that this was just a political hit on Trump based on what they release probably tomorrow, it, it, They're just going to look like a combination. DOJ is going to look incompetent and dishonest. Now, not the whole place, not everybody, but those individuals that were involved in this doesn't it does not pass the smell test. That they would have done this. Think about it this way, everyone. You're in the room. okay? And put yourself. This is a very useful exercise with any of these highly political government. Cases, stories that we've been talking about here. Put yourself in the shoes. You're in the room and someone says, hey, so I think, you know, I've got a couple sources that are saying something about Trump, Russia. By the way, that was out there in the open source. Right. So there's a lot of people saying, oh, Trump and Russia. And there's all these connections. I've even heard rumors with no factual basis. Oh, Russia, organized crime, Trump. People just say this stuff. right? It's a presidential campaign. You're sitting in the room and they go, hey, you know what? I've got this guy who's doing work for the DNC. Now, maybe they didn't know that, but who knows what they know? We're finding that out. They've got this guy though who's doing work for the DNC and and he's got some really really bombshell level stuff on Trump uh why don't we just why don't we just start tapping some phones at some people around Trump and see what's going on with that 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 would not send up the biggest brightest red flags for any honest government employee at that level within the DOJ is mind-boggling it's just mind-boggling And so then that brings me to, again, playing our game here of are you in the are you in the shoes of the government bureaucrat? That brings me to they had to know that this was bad and they did it anyway, probably because they thought Hillary would win. They'd get away with it. But also never forget that if they had ever gotten information during this surveillance that was truly game over for Trump, it would have been game over for Trump. It was a risk that they were taking, too. They could have been heroes, the heroes of the hashtag resistance. Oh, and then number five on my list. So number one was the Fusion GPS dossier confirmed. Uh, Number two, other unspecified things, also part of the FISA activity. Number three, Democrats will argue this is a tiny part of the overall picture. Four, DOJ top level will look bad. Five, and this is the annoying part, everyone, but I'm just going to tell you, the Russia conspiracy theory lives on. It's not going to go away based on this memo, but. This is a battle I think that the Democrats are about to lose. It's just a question of how badly. What kind of casualties, so to speak, does the Russia collusion conspiracy narrative take once this memo is out there on the street? And, you know, could be tomorrow. Which I mean, we'll have a very interesting freestyle Friday. I mean, tomorrow night, you're always welcome to call with action movie quotes, but things could get things could get feisty tomorrow night on this radio show if we got a memo to work with. So there is that. I see some lines lit. Uh, do feel free to call in. We've got lines open here in the Freedom Hunt. We've got a lot more to discuss. Talk about Trump's visit to West Virginia today. Also, maybe I'll get to this uh, this teacher on California. He's just saying idiotic, terrible stuff about the military. I, I You know, there, there are really only a few things left in the country that you you publicly degrade at your peril, no matter who you are. There are only a few things left, you know fortunately, the military is still one of them. So I can't imagine how anybody could be so uh, thoughtless and so dumb. But we might get into a little bit of a discussion there as well, because I want to I address some of the idiotic points that were made. Um, and i got a whole lot of stuff to talk to you about. So let me hit a quick break, and we'll be right back.
0: The media is part of the deep state. Uh, The elite media group has survived by being in collusion with the senior bureaucracy. The city of Washington, the senior reporters, the senior bureaucrats, the senior lobbyists, they all hang out together. They all talk to each other. They all compare notes. When they get to read this, what the American people need to understand is that the Obama administration, in a series of steps that clearly violated the law, tried to both protect Hillary Clinton and tried to destroy Donald Trump, and both actions were illegal. Uh, and we're now in a situation, I believe, where you're going to see a requirement in the near future for an independent counsel literally to clean out the senior FBI and the senior Justice Department and to go after people who've left office who were part of the Obama team that was so clearly violating the law.
6: That's former Speaker Newt Gingrich, obviously. I know you all know that, but just to give the man credit for his words, I... Agree with everything he said except this. I am not clear on, and I I think this might, I'm I'm trying to be uh, responsible in how I say this, respectful in how I say this. I don't think they broke the law. That doesn't mean that they didn't do something really bad. But just hear me out here. When we're talking about not bringing, if we're talking about the FBI and the DOJ not bringing charges against Hillary, That's not breaking the law that is refusing to enforce the law for political reasons. Not the same thing. Hillary broke the law. Yes. So if he's talking about Hillary, no question. She broke the law. But the whole Comey McCabe apparatus, they might be guilty of ethics violations. I think they certainly are guilty of ethics violations in their duties at the FBI. But official misconduct, maybe you could get them for that. For not to, you know, Unless you get some real clear evidence of, you know, I mean, violating the Hatch Act. I mean, you're starting to stretch here. right? So let's I want to keep our expectations in line with what is possible, with what is likely to be, uh, which is what is likely to happen and not just what sounds good or makes us feel good. And then on the spying portion of this. Laws that may have been broken again, I'm speaking generally here and I can't I don't know if uh, if Newt, was referring to the specific law breaking or what specific law breaking he was referring to. But here's what needs to be kept in mind. If the FBI used information for a FISA warrant that was real, they did not lie, they did not falsify, but they decided to use open source or non-classified information in the case of Fusion GPS to get a warrant and went through the appropriate processes, that's an abuse of power. But as you know, I've talked to former prosecutor Andy McCarthy, who we all know and respect here on the show. And he agrees with me on this. That's an abuse of power, but that's not no one's going to prison for that. So we shouldn't set our expectations beyond what is likely here. Prison for leaking. Yes, that's a crime. But who did the leaking? We don't know. We have some guesses. It's Also, generally very hard to prove a leak. Unless somebody's like, hey, here's an I'm sending an email with like, here's that classified thing that I'm not supposed to tell you. Which some people do do that. But generally, if it's a leak to a reporter and it comes from inside the government. Because usually information is widely disseminated enough that you can't really narrow it down. And anyway, so I, I just would note that right now there's a lot of attention, a lot of fervor around the issue of the memo and the release of the memo. Very, very unlikely that anyone is going to prison unless I am missing a statute. And if any of you out there are lawyers and you think I'm, I'm missing it, let me know. Any of your prosecutors, although prosecutors tend to be cagey about calling into uh, political talk shows unless they're former prosecutors. Uh, I don't see it. I don't see criminal charges coming from this. This is a massive political scandal, and I think the only remedy will be for we the people to take a political action in response to it and also to fire a bunch of bums that needs to happen too. but i think that's already started to happen we got more stay with me
5: he's holding the line for america buck sexton is back
7: I've spoken to a number of sources who have said that McCabe had actually asked members of the FBI, um, an FBI official, actually, to alter the 302. Whether the 302s, those are the witness interviews that the FBI conducts with the witnesses. There was uh, one person in particular that uh, they believe McCabe had asked uh, the FBI agents to alter the 302s. And I think this is significant. It doesn't mean that they altered the 302s, but even the fact that if they were asked, allegedly, if this actually happened, that is a huge violation, huge violation. And another very important question here is, when the warrant was issued, who kept reauthorizing the warrant over and over again?
6: That's our friend Sarah Carter. She's a Fox News contributor. You see her on Sean's uh, show a lot at uh, 9 p.m. And she's pointing out that if they did change, if if people in the FBI changed official records, if that was going on, then you are getting into criminal territory. Can't do that. That's not something that's on the list of. Oh yeah, sure. You can you can do this and then you'll be uh you'll just be fired. No, no, no. You cannot change witness statements. You cannot tamper with evidence. So we'll have to see. That may be a part of this too. I can't imagine there are any huge surprises in this memo because if there were, I have a sense that they would have leaked. That's why I think the Fusion GPS component is the one thing that is likely to be confirmed in it. But speaking of criminal sentencing and situations, the uh, Mueller team, this just uh, hit, the, hit the wires today, Special Counsel Robert Mueller's team is postponing the sentencing of former National Security Advisor and, and uh, General for decades, Mike Flynn. They say they're doing this because of the status of the investigation. And that's got people asking questions about what this means for Russia, right? The Russia probe, Russia. Uh, here's what I think about this. I believe that Flynn should be pardoned. I I'm sorry. I'm well. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry actually, because I'm saying I think he should be pardoned. But this is not a. This is not justice. It is not justice for General Flynn to be facing. Any kind of confinement, I get a sense here that his deal probably I don't know, but he's cooperated and they're extending him here they're, they they want to get more cooperation from him, but I think Flynn knows that he can cooperate without any damage to his honor or anything because there's when it comes to Russia collusion, there's nothing for him to cooperate on. There's nothing here, so sure, he'll answer whatever questions they've got he'll he'll be as helpful as he possibly can. And that, to me, this this signals, and I'm reading in between the lines here, but to me, extending out the sentencing of Flynn, meaning waiting before you see what the Flynn sentence is, is just Mueller buying more time to have Flynn, at least the, the prospect of Flynn, in the background to sweat somebody, so to speak, here, to help put the pressure on someone. So that is... A reason that you would see the Flynn sentencing extended a bit longer. But, but I mean, come on. He lied about a non-crime to the FBI. What's the real damage here? Maybe they're going to say, no, this is what might come up. The only way I think you see Flynn not getting pardoned by the president is if there's no jail time. Still would have a felony on his record. So means he can't. Uh, well, I guess it depends on the state, right? But can't vote. Can't own a firearm. All kinds of problems that come with felony felony, uh, record, but we'll see if Trump is willing to pardon him. I mean, you can imagine, for me, it's the right thing to do. It also would have the little added wonderful bonus of making liberals completely lose their minds. I mean, it would be, think about it, 24 hours of, oh my gosh, the Constitution's been lit on fire. But this is the president's constitutional prerogative. He has he absolutely has the there is no person who can say that the president does not have the authority to pardon Michael Flynn. He absolutely positively does. But they're still going to say, oh, my gosh, the rule of law it doesn't matter. They don't even care. They just hate Trump. This is all nonsense. I mean, the arguments they've been making against the memo release have just been laughable. I'm seeing people get all, all sanctimonious about all oh, sources and methods and people's lives will be in danger. This not, I, I assure you, there's nothing that's going to come out of this Nunes memo that you're going to be like, oh, wow, I'm glad I'm not that guy. You <laughs> know, <laughs> Well, maybe in terms of FBI people's careers, but not like a safety issue. Uh, so the arguments have been made. I think they've been made in bad faith. But they still, they still got Flynn on the hook here. See if they can extend this out a little bit uh wonder what did we get a sense here of what his uh what i'm trying to see what his yeah here we go they don't want to tell the judge this is on fox news this to, uh, to sentence flynn until they can tell the judge that he helped in the case and flynn if flynn were ever asked to testify in a trial he would be a better witness if still facing the prospect of sentencing so they're just holding this over. him, And this is why I really have always resented this notion that there's no cost really to this investigation or that, you know, we're just trying to get at the truth here. People's lives are being ruined. You know, we sit here, folks, how many times we have to go through this. Now we got this with the Trump administration. The same thing happened with the whole plane uh, leak fiasco. They knew they knew who the leaker was. The leaker it was an accident. He did not intend to leak anything on purpose, and they they agreed with that, and it was just an act look, and that does happen. I've said before, classified accidentally does slip out sometimes. That does happen. I'm not saying it's okay, but it happens, and that's taken into account when someone's going to be punished for it. It doesn't happen a hundred times on an unsecured server and you know, over and over and over again and nobody knows. What? Hillary style. But It does happen. But that was all just to get Cheney. Here we are again. We had one Republican administration, the last Republican administration. They managed to create this false story to get a special counsel going. And they almost they almost took down the vice president with it. That was what they're trying to do. And now we've got another one. You'll notice no special counsel during the Obama years, despite all the stuff that we could have looked into more there. Man, I would have liked the special counsel just on Fast and Furious. No one even really talks about it anymore. Yeah, you know, let's just let's just start a federal government program where we, where we tell gun dealers to sell guns illegally to people that we know are going to then make their way down to the cartels. Oh, that's right, who killed 30,000 people last year. No special counsel for that, right? People are dying. A Border Patrol agent died, but no, no special counsel there. Why? Oh, that's right. Because Eric Holder was running the Justice Department, I brought this up today when they were asking about how. Oh, Trump asked. Did Trump ask if if McCabe was on his team? Oh, is he on his team? Eric Holder publicly proclaimed that he was president. This was in 2013 that he was President Obama's wingman, and they were working very closely together. You know, they can't have it both ways. Is the Department of Justice a a subservient political organism to the executive branch, or is it its own branch of government? They can't keep shifting the storyline. I mean, they do, but it's not fair, it's not right. It is dishonest for them to keep shifting the storyline, and that's what we've seen going on here. I find it very, uh, very disconcerting that this is, in fact, where we are with it. And man, I just want them to. I just want them to give us this this friggin' memo. You know, I've had enough. You know, I've had. I don't. If I have to see one more headline on CNN, one more thing from Adam Schiff. You know, oh, this is so bad. Oh, that guy. This is what the Democrats put up there for us to to fight against. It makes it makes the job of getting annoyed with their lies a little bit easier because these are not. Some of these Democrats that are making the case, these are not likable people. These are not compelling personalities, that's for sure. Ron in Alaska, you got thoughts? I got time. What's up? Hey, how you doing, Buck? Shields high. Shields high, buddy. I'm good. Listen,
2: I believe uh, this goes back to my high school days in, in history, but I told my teacher back then that there's been a government within our government since the JFK assassination. And it hasn't changed since in all these years. And it's my belief that the president should go and and get either appointed a special prosecutor and purge all these FBI DOJ, possibly look in the NSA, possibly look in the CIA, and, and get rid of people at the top levels that are, are where the corruption lies. Because this a lot of these are obama holdovers and and he really should have had them purged when he took over but i guess it couldn't happen i don't know why but but at any rate uh the corruption and the lies uh, that are going on in washington right now the american voters better wake up and i'm telling them they'd better wake up because if we continue the way we're going we're going to lose this country uh we we have people that that are not—they're uh, so corrupt that 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 they have no allegiance to the country anymore, and and they're do, willing to do anything that they want to obtain their
4: goals.
6: Well, that's definitely and, true. And there I are people with a lot of power in our government, the, Ron, who are gonna who are gonna do what they can to—they'll they'll do what they can to hurt the country if it means that they get to inflict their political wishes on us in some way. Thank you for calling in from Alaska, my friend, Shields high. Uh Ooh, we got a lot more to get into here, my friends. Talk a bit about Trump's speech today in West Virginia. We'll discuss that and uh, and a whole lot more. So stay right there. So Comey. Formerly FBI director just put out a tweet before I came on air. Here's what it says. All should appreciate the FBI speaking up. I wish more of our leaders would, but take heart. American history shows that in the long run, weasels and liars never hold the field. So long as good people stand up, not a lot of schools or streets named for Joe McCarthy. Okay. uh, You know. Comey the guru. Um, explain to me who who are the weasels and liars here. So is he saying is he saying the president's a weasel or a liar? Is that is that what's going on? I, I feel like he is. Do we all do we all think that we can move past the oh Comey, he's he's not a, a partisan player. He's not, trust me, he's been he just does what's best for Comey all the time. Remember, rich lawyer. Stop thinking of him as an FBI guy. He's not an FBI guy. He's a rich lawyer. All right. Uh, that that changes things very very quickly i believe uh justin in winston-salem north carolina what's up justin hey how's it going buck i'm good uh yeah i just wanted to make a
8: comment uh regarding your last caller there from alaska um i'm probably as far away from him as uh as he is from me uh i'm from winston-salem north carolina i'm 29 years old and uh well i just wanted to let him know that the american people have woken up we woke up uh last year <laughs> when we voted donald trump into office uh we need a change and uh well he's the first start um problem is we can you know go about this process of special prosecutors and all that but nothing ever happens to the democrats you know and i think it's a big problem so i mean what do we have to do to really prosecute the democrats i mean all the all these high-ranking officials and all that and they seem to just scathe off and, and, you know, s- skip sentences and uh, really get away with all kinds of... You know, of, Justin, uh, I don't
6: think I'm being, I don't think I'm being, uh, you know, what's the word I'm trying... I don't think I have tunnel vision here when I say that I don't ever see Republicans playing the game quite the same way that Democrats do with this stuff. I've sat here before and told you about all the different... Very clearly politically motivated prosecutions of top level Republicans across the country. Uh, I've gone on the list. Right. Uh, Rick Perry. um, uh, Chris Christie, uh, Scott Walker, uh, McDonald, former governor of Virginia. I mean, these are all political prosecutions and and they all went nowhere, by the way, except for McDonald. The Supreme Court had to reverse that because it was such a, a stretch to get him on corruption. And you see the other side of it, you're like, it just doesn't, they don't, the game isn't played the same way. And I don't really have an answer for that other than to start to say that. I just think that Democrats' power is the power is the, the reason for the existence of the Democrat Party. It's not, it's not a, a sense of shared principle. It's larger state and the emotional trajectory of the people that call themselves Democrats at any point in time. I, but I don't have a, a clear answer for you other than I see it too, man. I, I cannot. Why did we not have a special counsel under Obama? Never even discussed, really. Right? It just never happened. We had a special counsel under Bush. We have a special counsel under Trump. And people would say, well, "Why do we have a special counsel under Clinton?" Because we needed one, <laughs> or or we at least needed an investigation. I mean, the guy was doing all kinds of flagrantly illegal and improper stuff. So, and not like, oh, maybe we'll find something. We keep investigating. We knew what he did, and he lied under oath and he got away with it. So. I mean, and that's our political history for the last 20-plus years, right? So this is scary stuff. But, Justin, you're right. We woke up. We uh, we defeated the Hillary machine. and Against all odds. Against all odds. And, as it seems now, against Stephen, the wishes of some in the deep state of the DOJ. Thanks for calling right. in, brother. Good to talk to you from North Carolina. I appreciate it. Uh, let's talk Larry in Johnsville, Ohio. What's up, Larry? Hi, right, Buck. Enjoy your show. Enjoy your calls, Larry. What's going on? I got
4: a couple comments about the uh, State of the Union address. I think there ought to be a thorough investigation by the CIA, FBI, ABC, whoever. Whoever squirted superglue on all them Democratic seats ought to be prosecuted.
6: It is mean to spread all that superglue, and it's not environmentally friendly either.
4: That's true. I know. And one other... uh, Observation uh, Somebody ought to send Nancy Pulaski some more uh, polygrip because I think she was having trouble with her dentures. Either that or depends was writing up on her.
6: She did not look happy. I will agree that she did no. not look happy at that state of the union, Larry. And uh, Larry. And that, you, yes, sir?
4: And that, that new supreme court just was that him or a statue
6: gorsuch i don't know did he not stand up or something he knew nothing oh i didn't see that but okay i'll write him a strongly worded memo larry thanks for calling it from ohio my friend shields high. i was like larry adds a a special flavor to the show i appreciate hearing from barry down in biloxi mississippi what's up barry hey buck how are you doing i'm good man thank you for your call
1: I'm wondering wondering why have we not heard anything at all about uh, Hatch Act violations? I mean, I thought federal employees couldn't even wear a campaign button or have a poster and here these people are spending their whole time on the job uh, favoring their political candidate and and trying to wipe out the other guy. Does that still exist?
6: Yeah, I mean, the the Hatch Act, I don't think the Hatch Act is, uh, I think you just get fired for it. So the Hatch Act is not a criminal statute. Uh, I think the penalty is just firing. And so and it's, it's rarely enforced. Yes, you're right. You can't wear, you know, when I was in the CIA, I couldn't show up at a campaign event and say, hey, I'm Buck. I'm from the CIA and the CIA supports this guy. Right. Which you know may or may not have been a good thing for that candidate. Um, but, that, that, you know, I could have gotten fired for that under the Hatch Act. But it's not a criminal thing. So that's why it doesn't have quite the same impact. And also, I'll just say it, and I can't tell you, Barry, more than just my own impression. I only ever heard Hatch Act complaints from Democrats about Republicans when I was in government, never the other way. So we're just less snowflake like, I guess, when it comes to that stuff. But thanks, Barry, for calling. Team Hour 2 coming up.
5: He's back with you now, because when it comes to the fight for truth, the buck never stops.
3: African-American and Hispanic unemployment have both reached the lowest levels ever recorded. That's something very, very special. And when I made that statement the other night, there was zero movement from the Democrats. They sat there. Stone cold, no smile, no applause. You would have thought that on that one, they would have sort of at least clapped a little bit, which tells you perhaps they'd rather see us not do well than see our country do great, and that's not good. There's one more very important promise we're keeping. No longer are we making apologies for America. We don't apologize anymore. We're proud of our history, we're confident in our values, and we're grateful to our heroes. And we are determined to create a brighter future for all of our people.
6: Welcome back to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. Hour two is up and running here. That was President Trump earlier today in West Virginia. And sometimes I pose the question as a means of getting into some analysis here on the show. Why do they hate Trump so much? And, you know, that answer He or that that, uh, excerpt we just played for you where he talked about how no more apologizing for America and a, a different view of America's role in the world, that's one of the reasons why they hate him so much. And that hatred burns so brightly in the minds of leftists and Democrats that they, in fact, do, I think, want to see the country suffer rather than see it prosper under Trump. I don't think that's an overstatement. I don't think it's an unfair point for the president to make. I think it's actually quite clear that that is what we are dealing with. The economy is very strong. The comments that have been made by many Democrats in response to the tax reform uh, I think that that might come back to haunt them even as far down the line as the midterms. I really do. And uh, Trump certainly thinks so.
3: With these corporations giving tremendous bonuses to everybody that Nancy Pelosi called crumbs, that was a bad, that could be like deplorable, does, does that make sense, deplorable and crumbs? Those two words, they seem to have a resemblance. I hope it has the same meaning. But she called it crumbs when people are getting two thousand and three thousand dollars and one thousand dollars. That's not crumbs. It's a lot of money.
6: Now, most of the Democrats and even including Pelosi aren't so. So dumb that they can't understand why it's bad politics. To say that a few thousand dollars for a family in this country that's you know earning somewhere in the in the median income of fifty thousand dollars a year, let's say, uh, Most people can understand why that's bad politics. But what you see exposed again and again with the Democrats, and this is the Democrat Party of today, and Trump understands this, which is why I think he's got so much confidence, although Trump certainly never lacks in confidence, but confidence in the GOP's fortunes going into the midterms. Because otherwise, you look at the historical historical record for midterm elections, the party in power, I think there have only been... Three times stretching back to the Civil War that the party that was in power did not lose seats in a midterm in the midterm election. Right. It was George W. Bush, Richard Nixon. And I'm forgetting what the third one was. Sorry, but (laughs) pretty good that I pulled that out of thin air, though. Right. team? Come on. I mean, give the guy some credit. So it's. Generally speaking, unlikely that you will have gains for Republicans in the midterms, and it's just a question, will they lose, you know, three seats or 20 seats? Um, uh, But I think Trump is feeling pretty confident about it because the economy is strong and because the Democrats keep exposing themselves. For all of us who care to pay attention to it, for all of us who want to know what's really going on, exposing themselves as having a disdain for just normal people, You could say for the folks, Democrats just— doesn't Doesn't really lock in with their preferred narrative about what's going on in the country. They just don't have a place for people who are not in a protected category, are not a an oppressed group or a victimized group. I mean, if you're just somebody who wants to live your life, do your thing, and not have the government as a barrier to your own pursuit of happiness and success, whatever that may be, the democrat party doesn't really have a place for you. You know, hard work is not something that you can really talk about when your first concern, as it is for the democrats, is where you fit into the patriarchy, where you fit into the various layers of oppression. You know, the we haven't talked about intersectionality in a while, but intersectionality is not just a fancy campus college campus term that democrats throw around to sound like they know what they're talking about. It also has infected the beliefs and the policies of the Democrat Party, which is that everything has to be broken down into these groups, these sort of balkanized, smaller versions of the electorate. And then you have to pander to them and you have to turn them against each other and use them against the the opposition, which is the Republican Party, of course, which is now, because of Trump and the messaging from it, A party, once again, of just working folks just don't really need to be constantly lectured about their uh, their inadequacies when it comes to progressive ideology. They just ideology. They just want to be able to support their families, be left on their own and do their thing. And that's a good thing. But on immigration, I will continue to hit this subject because I think that, well, we know it's a very important policy matter. This is where we're really going to see what the, uh, what the Trumpster is made of when it comes to negotiating and acting as a dealmaker while he's the president. Uh, this is not going to be easy. He's going to have to thread the needle here quite a bit. But on immigration, some of you actually brought it up here earlier on the show that maybe this initial offer of 1.8 million dreamers Who would I know DACA recipients? I say, you know, the problem with dreamers, it is it is a useful, useful shorthand. Right. So DACA is not really quite as uh, specific a way to refer to them anyway. Trump maybe is doing this just to show the Democrats are entirely unserious about immigration and cannot allow Trump a win on this, even if it means that Trump would be giving away more than I think a lot of people in his base, would be willing or would be happy with him giving away. And here is what, th- what Trump said about it earlier today. If the
3: Democrats choose to filibuster a framework that includes a generous path to citizenship or something that is not fair, we are not going to approve it. We're just not going to approve it. So we'll either have something that's fair and equitable and good and secure, or we're going to have nothing at all. We will be demonstrating that we are very, very serious. One of the reasons I gave a number that was, I thought, a very generous number was because I wanted to see whether or not they were interested in approving that. Because if they don't approve something within that sphere, that means, very simply, that they're not looking to approve it at all. They want to use it for an election issue, but it's now an election issue that will go to our benefit, not their benefit.
6: See, I I think the conventional wisdom going into this immigration negotiation would have been something like the following. Trump needs the support of his base going into it. He wants to get the best deal he can. And the best deal means the one that secures the border and and does the most for interior enforcement and for workplace enforcement with the immigration system. And so there's no reason for him to make an initial offer that would include any kind of amnesty because he wants to see what kind of of deal he can get first. Instead, Trump just goes, all right, let's just let's just show our cards right away. This is what I'm willing to do. What are you willing to do? And it has made it to the Democrats don't really have a lot of room to run. What are they going to say? No, it has to be amnesty for everyone or no, we won't take we won't take an amnesty for one point eight million. Unless it uh, doesn't come with a, a wall or any of these other border security provisions that Trump is insisting on, I think that's tough. I think that's a really tough sell for them. If they force a shutdown, I think that the government's supposed to run out of money February 8th, maybe something like that. Something like that. John, if I'm wrong, let me know. I think it's something like early February the government's going to run out of money. And Democrats got shellacked in the last shutdown, right? They They got. Wasted. And they had to turn that around. It was, wasn't a shutdown. It was it was actually a weekend, which I know people say the government shuts down every weekend and on holidays anyway, but it wasn't even really a shutdown. I mean, the government was by the time we were telling the stories on air, it was like, whoops, that's over with. Democrats had to pull out of that. They had to back off because they knew that public opinion wasn't with them. You're going to stop providing services to citizens, to taxpayers because of a population of illegals. Really? That's a tough one for the midterms. Uh, They really just want to keep the issue alive as long as they can, I think, because it means that they'll just run with the storyline of a racist, heartless, unfeeling GOP. But if Trump makes them an offer that allows a couple of million to get amnesty, and they turn that down, who are the unfeeling, unserious legislators, you know, which party is just playing games with this? I think it becomes quite clear. So while I was concerned at first about the direction Trump was going in on immigration specifically, uh, now I can see some of the wisdom in this. I still would have a problem with amnesty for almost two million people because it's never, the number is never the number. And everyone I know who has really gone deep on this issue is aware of this and, and agrees with me. But Trump may not have to do any. There might have to be any amnesty. And in the meantime, any government shutdown that happens because of it would look entirely hollow. It would just be the most obvious grandstanding you could possibly see from folks like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and whomever. Because they'll they'll have walked away from Think about how you saw that one. They walked away from amnesty for two million people. Now they're going to pretend they care so much about those two million people. If they walk away from amnesty for the for DACA as proposed by Trump at this opening of negotiations because they don't want a wall, then I think it's also just clear to anyone who is going to be even a little bit honest, Democrats are just pro-illegal immigration. They're not trying to deal with legal immigration. They actually want more illegal immigration, which I think is already true, but it will be more apparent. It'll be more demonstrable. We can show people that that's in fact, the case. So we will see how this how this dispute is resolved or not over what to do about DACA and and how we will go uh, go forward on the uh, on immigration because this has got to be a centerpiece for Trump right now. I mean, if he loses the House, you know, all this talk we have right now about we're going to be so frustrated. Oh yeah, we needed sixty votes in the Senate to basically get anything done. This is. This is the Senate's construct so they can all just worry about fundraising and getting reelected and not have to take any tough votes. They like the 60 threshold. I think, make no mistake about it. You know, the House passes stuff all the time. We're like, oh, that would be great. Oh, it'll never get through the Senate. Why? We have a majority. Oh, because we need Democrat votes for that, too. What's the point of a majority if you need Democrat votes to do anything? No, I'm just throwing lots of stuff out there today, but... Yeah, I think you should pardon General Flynn, Trump, by the way. And I think that Mitch McConnell should just say, you know what, unless it's constitutionally prescribed otherwise. And there are some things that are constitutionally mandated, you know, removal from office for a president, for example, two thirds. Uh, But this whole you got to be able to get 60 to beat a filibuster. No, no more of this. This is this is garbage. This is uh, self-imposed ineptitude. And we can't allow this to continue on the way that it is. I'm telling you, if we lose the House and goes goes in the midterms, we're be sitting around like, oh, you know, what Trump could have done, if only, if only. That's why he's got to do it now. That's why immigration has to be a place where he does it now. Time is not on the side of those who wish to uh, secure the border and get something worthwhile from Trump's majority in the House and the Senate. Well, I was right, but I wasn't right about all of it, or I didn't get all of it. When I said uh, that midterms uh, I-, I told you correctly that everyone going back to Civil War basically loses with, with three exceptions. And yes, it is true that George Bush, in his first midterm, picked up seats. It is also true that Nixon, in wait, did I know, did I get the Nixon one wrong? Oh, he picked up two Senate seats. OK. So it depends on whether we're looking at the House or the Senate. But Nixon picked up two Senate seats and but he lost House seats. But he picked up the House I mean, he picked up the Senate. Uh Roosevelt picked up in thirty four. And then also I see here Clinton picked up in his first he picked up five uh five House seats in his first midterm election. So or no, was that his second mid sorry, his second midterm election. Yeah. There you go. So I was close. So, I mean, the ones I said were correct, but I left one or two out. But, I mean, FDR, does that really count? I guess it counts. Uh, Kenny, in Saugus? Saugus? How do we say that? In Boston.
1: You would say it Saugus. It's just north of Boston, so I usually say it's uh, just north of Boston. I'm over the eight miles north. Oh, nice. Sorry. Right. How is the but, chowder uh... in Saugus. It's very chowy, yeah. It's very good, yeah. All right, exciting stuff. But, uh, <laughs> so, I want to. I'm here to scour your wisdom, to pick your brain. I want to know one thing. They're discrediting this memo. Obviously, this is the campaign that's been lodged here. Um, I, I heard something about the FBI had brokered a meeting to discuss the memo and uh, at the White House and to. Uh, decide what they wanted to leave in, what they could release, and they were making alterations. And at the same time, simultaneously, uh, Adam Schiff then maligned Nunes and saying he's making changes to it. And so I'm thinking that that's connected, that there's, there's prob- they probably did that just to support that. And then there's another thing, Washington Post. I read a story online that says, how come Trump is in a hurry to release this memo? Isn't this, isn't this crazy? Couldn't he have released it months ago?
6: Uh, look, there, there's... Okay, so you're bringing up a lot of good points, and so let me make sure that I, I address them each in turn. Uh, about the edits, I saw that last night. I think Adam Schiff, my favorite used ShamWow salesman, I think he uh, he tweeted something about how there edits made, and now we find out the edits were minor and structural. It, it also doesn't really matter, right? Because they're contesting parts of the memo anyway. So to say that some of it was edited... What is that even who who even would really care at that point, because they're going to be contesting everything that it says and they're going to declassify it. It's going to be public information. So it just struck me as very petty and very desperate. And I think that's where much of the resistance to releasing the memo has gone. Now They've become kind of petty and desperate. So, no, what do we really let's be realistic. Right. Kenny, what do we think could possibly have been changed in there that would be worth Risking the veracity of the rest of the memo that they insert at the last moment, it just doesn't make sense, right? One of the reasons you know that certain conspiracies aren't real is because it's not even good for the conspirator. It doesn't make any sense. So, uh, you, and then you brought up a few other things. What else did you want me to hit on?
1: Uh, that was the uh, well, it was something with the FBI uh, meeting with with them. Uh, and um, oh, well, also they said that Tr- they said that Trump was in a hurry to release this memo. But from what I'm understanding is he could have actually uh, ordered its release months ago. Yeah.
6: Look, he's he's the president. He could have said he could have ordered the executive branch to declassify this. No one's going to tell the commander in chief. You can't tell the American people about whatever that it doesn't work that way. Right. The commander in chief can really and people would argue with me on this, but it. I've got plenty of precedent to back it up. The president can do what's called real time, which is not a legal definition, but real time declassification, which is just the president can tell the American people about whatever he wants. Functionally speaking, that is how it works. And no one ever that that is not how it works. So the president can. Yeah, he can confer with other people and try to respect the processes that are in place for classified. But he can declassify whatever he wants. And I would just note, Kenny, that people now are complaining. I'm seeing some of the Democrat apparatus out there, journalists and uh, talking heads and lawyer types that are saying, well, why did he go through the why did he go through the House process if he just could do it himself as though that's now a bad thing? And we all know if Trump had just declassified it, they'd say that he's meddling and he's causing problems. And, you know, he's so anyway, he can't win either way, Kenny. Thanks for the call. The good question, my friend. Great to talk to you up in Saugus. I like it. I learned I learned lots of new towns on this show. My America geography is getting better in the Freedom Hut
5: he's back with you now because when it comes to the fight for truth the buck never stops
7: a new
3: poll from Monmouth where the president's approval rating has ticked up to 42%. This is out of the 30s where President Trump has wallowed, one might say, for most of the time since his inauguration. A.B. Why? Why do we think?
7: I mean, they did pass tax reform by a Christmas deadline, okay? After a year of failing to repeal and replace Obamacare and fighting with each other. But I know
3: that the tax reform plan, at least in many polls, is viewed by a majority of Americans negatively.
7: The polling on tax reform was really bad in Mm. uh, December. It's actually rising, becoming more popular and either people are responding to their own personal data or they're responding to these stories of corporations feeling a boost and sharing it with their workers and that is a positive for him. It's it's a legislative success and it's economics.
9: All the polls are moving in Donald Trump's direction have been for the last one month. The president's favorable has moved up five since tax reform was enacted in December. And his unfavorable has dropped three. Uh, That's an eight point improvement in one month. Now he's still upside down. He's got a long way to go, but make no mistake, the president's numbers are on the move. Equally important, the right track, wrong track, and these are the real clear politics average. The right track, wrong track has improved 13 points since election day. On election day 2016, the Americans felt overwhelmingly this nation's on the wrong track, and there's been a 13 point improvement since Trump took over. You know what?
6: Another shorter way of talking about these polls would be: just this is all about results. Wasn't it funny? That was a CNN clip initially that we played there, and then we followed it up with uh, Ari uh, Ari Fleischer over at Fox. But in that CNN exchange, you had Ab Stoddard. Uh, she used to be with the Hill, right? Was, was, was she? Yeah, I forget. Is she with the Hill still? No, I don't know where she. Anyway, she's moved on somewhere else. I think. But she's talking to uh, to Jim Sciutto of CNN, and they're going back and forth over like, whoa, okay, so so the there are two very interesting takeaways from that. One is that people looked at tax reform negatively, and I know at CNN that's like a cause of celebration, right? Oh, my gosh, it's great. I hate tax reform. But let's understand what that means. It just means that the propaganda apparatus of the media is still so powerful that it is able to convince a majority of the American people that the government letting some Americans keep some percentage more of the money that they are earning is a bad thing. That's amazing, isn't it? How, how is How that possible? You might wonder to yourself, how would it be possible that they would be able to convince them of that? And they're clearly annoyed at that, is fading that that concept of more money in the pockets of private citizens is bad somehow. But then also the well, why is it rising since tax reform was enacted? Well, gee, I've got some ideas. Let's think about this, folks. Why well, we got a couple of political analysts on there before? Why would tax reform, after it happens, become more popular? Doo-doo right? I feel like I probably couldn't actually play the Jeopardy theme. It would be some kind of a rights thing. But I just sang it for you because i that's how much I care. No, but the reason is quite obviously that it's going to happen and now people are seeing it and I've got, I have friends. I have friends. I know people personally who are saying all, all of a sudden I've got a little more money in my in my bank account. Each paycheck is a little bit bigger and it helps. It helps. It, it also creates a sense that we are moving forward here, right? It creates a sense that things can get even better. And, you know, I've seen now economists are now. Economists make uh, weathermen look infallible. But nonetheless, I've seen some predictions, some prognostications for the future where economists are saying that they think unemployment could be at three point five percent next year. So whether that happens or not, we'll have to see. But that's certainly really low. But this is the big problem the Democrats are going to have They're They're not used to having to contend with an objective reality of a Republican president who is making real gains in the economy. For the very people that he's been saying he would do it for. Right. That this is going to be a tough uh, hill for them to overcome. When you look at the benefits of the Trump administration and how it's rolling out for people right now, I think that the Democrats aren't going to have much of a line. And that's when you get into just well they they got to come up with something they hate Trump, right? And so you know maybe they can take a, a page from the uh, Maxine Waters playbook here and just come up with some other stuff about Russia.
7: They absolutely hacked our Democratic National Committee. They absolutely knew that.
9: RT, which is Russian television, absolutely interfered with speech of mine on the floor of Congress. And black me out for ten minutes. What? They don't
6: play. Now we're talking about RT. For those of you who are wondering that that's uh, Maxim Waters, a sitting member of Congress. For those of you who are wondering about RT, uh that's the Russia Today channel that's been around for over ten years. And is a an open Kremlin front, right? It is, it is Kremlin propaganda. People who have worked there have come out and talked about it. It is funded as a Kremlin front. There is really no question about this. And yet you'll still have people with so much uh, self-righteousness say, oh my gosh, Russia might meddle in future elections unless we do more. And I say, well, what meddling are we really talking about? Oh, there'll be these. Facebook sock puppets that spread mean rumors about Hillary. If it is that easy, if if creating some fake accounts overseas determines a presidential election, in the United States, we got even bigger problems in Russia. Everybody got to wonder what's going on with folks. But when you look at the amount of information and noise out there, especially in an election year, the notion that Russia. Would be able to cut through all that and be the decider, be the difference maker. It's just preposterous on its face. But that's what they're. I, I bring up Russia and Maxine Waters. Well, Maxine Water here because um, she's indicative of where this is all going. It's going to be Russia. They're going to they're going to run an election campaign. Meaning the Democrats, the DNC. They're going to run on the president of the United States is a uh, is a cheater who worked with the Russians, betrayed his country, and that's why you should vote for Democrats. Because what else do they have? They don't want to, they're not going to run on Obamacare because anybody who actually has Obamacare will just tell you horror stories about how bad it is for the most part. That's been my experience. Again, I know people who have had to get plans off of the exchanges, uh, and they are generally very displeased with the plans that they have gotten off the exchanges. Yeah, I mean, it's great to have health care when you have an $8,000 or a $10,000 deductible. And even when you hit the deductible, you're only seeing doctors that you really don't want to see. So they have nothing to run on, really. They're going to run on Trump is a racist who won't, am- who won't amnesty 12 million people and Russia. I don't think that's going to be good enough. The only hope, as I see it, the only hope that there is for the Democrats, take this for what it's worth, is if there's a a massive turn in the economy, um, I think that's the only way that they look. Maybe they'll win one or two seats on balance, but you know, all these elections are comes down to the candidate and the specifics of the race. But overall, at a national level, if the economy is as strong as it is right now, I just don't see how they can turn this thing around. I really don't. And I, I still know people who, despite some there's been some rockiness in the markets this week, I still know people who are saying this is going to get even better. It's going to be even better this year. I, I, I like to be optimistic. I'm going to continue to be optimistic about the economy until I, until it's clearly wrong. How about that? That'll be my plan. Uh, team lines are open. If you want to chat, uh, by all means, 844-900-2825, 844-900-BUCK. Also, don't forget BuckSaxon.com, and you can check out gear from the team, Team Buck Gear on BuckSaxon.com. And uh, if you have not listened yet to the Fall of Constance and Opal Part 2, I'm telling you, it is tearing up the history podcast charts it's going all the way to the top baby history podcasts it's definitely beating out that history of the suffragette movement in 30 parts that i'm sure is there so check that out check out the history podcast um and uh that's that's what i got on that uh i i realized something i don't know what to do about this exactly I for some reason just wanted to get to Malta because I really like it as a storyline. But I now I'm thinking maybe, you know, I skipped over the sea, the first siege of Vienna. But I I feel like now it's already been done right, so I can't go back to I can't go back to the first siege of Vienna. I have to do Malta first. So some of you are like, what are you talking about, Buck? Don't worry about it. It'll all make sense. I think hopefully. Um, and when we come back, oh wow, I've got a little bit of news about. Remember I mentioned before something about voting and whether you can vote if you're a felon? That just, there's a breaking news story on that. Maybe we'll discuss that and some other wonderful stuff. Stay with me. So, team, I don't have a whole lot on this, but I just wanted to note that I mentioned before for felons, because we're talking about whether General Flynn should be, or Mike Flynn should be pardoned, and this just came in a few minutes ago. Uh, this is the Miami Herald. A federal judge ruled th- that Florida's lifetime ban on restoring voting rights for felons violates the U.S. Constitution. U.S. District Judge Mark Walker said Florida's vote restoration process unfairly relies on the personal support of Governor Rick Scott for citizens to regain this fundamental right. Walker ruled in a case brought by the Fair Elections Legal Network, a Washington, D.C. group that challenged the constitutionality of the Florida system. All right. So if this Walker's decision came nine days after the state approved a ballot measure that if passed in November would restore the voting rights of about one point two million felons. I would just note, everyone, that we are all quite aware that Democrats are certainly aware that the overwhelming number of felon voters they expect will vote Democrat, right? This is why Democrats are so in favor of restoring voting rights for convicted felons. Uh, didn't McAuliffe also do this in uh, Virginia? Wasn't that a big fight with Terry McAuliffe? Um, I think I think it was. So anyway, that's, that's an update from whether you can vote as a felon or not. And I, I know you can't own a you can't legally own a firearm, although for violent felons, they tend not to be like, oh, gosh, I already served that 10 years for armed robbery. I better not get an illegal gun for my next one. Right. That tends not to slow them down necessarily. Um, but that's the story that I had for you on or that's the only update I have for you on voting and uh, felons and felons rights. So I didn't, I didn't talk about it originally because I wasn't really sure what are what are important. Analytic takeaway could be, or but but you know what, this guy is such an idiot that I feel like we should just. I don't want to skip over this entirely because it's it's indicative of a of a mindset that's much more widespread on the left than certainly than, than mainstream Democrats want to admit. It's this guy Gregory Salcido, who's a teacher out in California, and he's on video, and this is what he this is what he had to say about the military.
5: Because we got a bunch of dumb. Shit. Think about the people who you know are over there freaking stupid Uncle Louie or whatever, they're dumb They're not like high-level thinkers, they're not academic people, they're not intellectual people. They're the freaking lowest of our low. They're not talented people. That's how I kept when President's Office says, we have the best military in the world, President's Office that. whether was Obama, whether it's anybody. I was like, no, we don't. The data is in, we don't have a good military. We, it's a lie that our military is freaking If you join the military, it's because you have no other options. Because you didn't take care of business academically, because your parents didn't love you enough to push you. And then you didn't love yourself enough. You know? Don't you ever freaking bring the freaking military into this fashion? I don't understand why we let the freaking military guys come over here and recruit you at school. We don't let pimps come into school.
6: I, it would be hard to think of a more stupid, incorrect, and offensive rant that one could come up with. I mean, if you were writing the role in a movie of a uh, moron who, who defames the military... I'm not sure you you could manage to be quite as offensive as this guy, or you'd have to try really hard. And you have to wonder how could anyone be so ungrateful and dumb and and just disgraceful. I, I think General Kelly, uh, White House Chief of Staff, nailed it pretty well.
10: Well, I think the guy ought to go to hell.
6: Um,
2: I just hope he enjoys the the liberties in the in the lifestyle
6: that uh, that we have uh, fought for. Yeah, I think a guy going to hell is a pretty good, that's certainly a good start. And, you know, this is also where I say, I don't know why people do this thing of of they, they start sending, you know, you never send anyone death threats because now, first of all, you just never do that, but also now they're turning the guy into a victim and the backlash, and instead of this just being a, a teachable moment, now he gets to say, oh, you know, the, the right wing is coming after me, although the, the left wing is... Or at least the mainstream Democrats are annoyed, too, because this goes to show that in in this country, if you're anti-military, you're 99 times out of 100, you're on the left. Right. Ninety nine times out of 100, you're like a Democrat registered Bernie Sanders voter. Maybe you're about the Working Families Party or something or, you know, Communist Party USA. But you're on the left if you're anti-military. There's just no place for that at all on the right. I mean, as there shouldn't be for it anywhere. I also just think it, it, it made me—well, it reminded uh, me of how this guy is so wrong, he's so dumb. When I think of some of my friends uh, growing up who were—not uh, not only served, but served in, in combat in some really, some really tough stuff in Iraq and Afghanistan. And uh, my parents, if they're listening to the show, they certainly know who I'm thinking of. A couple of them were, were friends of mine for many, many years. Uh, there are two guys in particular— um, both, went the, both went into the Marine Corps, and not only were they—I'm you know, trying to think of the best way to describe them—the guys that everybody you know, knew and liked and went to great schools, but also the two of them uh, came from very well-off backgrounds, financially speaking, um, and they both went into the Marine Corps and both went into combat, uh, one enlisted, one as an officer. And they saw, I mean, I've, I've been out for, with, with uh, one of them. Actually, I've been out with both of them over drinks to talk about it. But one of them in particular, I mean, he was, you know, he was in uh, the Fallujah part of the world when things were uh, particularly spicy over there. And he saw some really, you know, he saw some really fierce combat. And I just, so, so you know, I just have personal experience with friends of mine who served, who I knew growing up. And so that's why when he tells a story about, you know, no options, I'm like, actually, a lot of the people that I know who went to serve had nothing but options and had excelled in everything they had ever done. And could have done anything they wanted to do, even if they hadn't excelled at everything they'd ever done. But they wanted to serve the United States Marine Corps. They wanted to serve the United States military. You know, this guy is not this uh, this idiot who is speaking about this is not uh, he's almost not worth the time that I've already spent on him. But I do think that it's, uh, for, for one, it, it gives me an opportunity to say that I was always so impressed, uh, both in my time in Iraq and Afghanistan, and then just stateside as well. I spent time at lots of different military facilities doing training. And uh, I guess, I don't know, the stateside stuff I can probably talk about, although not all of it. Some of it, I'm not a lot to talk about. Uh, but I was always so impressed with our military, and uh, it was such an honor to be around them as a civilian. Intelligence analyst, and to be even some little small part of what they were doing day to day overseas, and and then also just it is a reminder for me or for all of us that there exists on the left this this distaste for the military that I think just has to come from a sense of the uh, well, one a, a wild ignorance of what the military. This guy doesn't know military He doesn't know anything. This guy's a complete imbecile. But. Also, for a lot of a lot of leftists, the military just makes them uncomfortable. It makes them feel you know, that, that there are people who would be willing to sacrifice what those in our military do and, and and have the virtues of those who serve in uniform. It makes the people that would criticize the military, it just makes them feel so uncomfortable and small and less than. So they lash out.
5: Other shows just talk at you. In the Freedom Hut, we have a mission. Right, we, we fight for the truth in a team effort. Roger, roger. And Buck is back with our next play. All right, here's There's been talk
6: of raids on uh, California businesses for a while. I'm seeing saying it's happened this week. Uh, 77 businesses in Northern California. Immigrations and Customs Enforcement officers have gone in and Let's say raids, they make it sound like they're swooping in there with SWAT teams and guys are repelling off of helicopters, you know, move, move, move. It's not like that. They show up, probably wearing windbreakers that say ice on them. Ice, ice, baby. And, you know, they probably show up and they say, Hey, do you have papers for all your workers? And I'm 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 guessing it's I'm not saying it's a pleasant experience, but I don't think it's they're not exactly rolling the flashbangs in there like, we hear you may have illegal workers in this meat processing factory. Move, move, move. I don't think that's what, the way that it goes. But I'm sure that they've gone in and they're checking the workers. And in California, that makes businesses nervous. I wonder what uh, what percentage of hourly wage paying businesses in California have have at least one illegal immigrant worker. I, I have no idea. That's not like a rhetorical question where I'm about to say, and I'm Buck, so I've got an answer. But I'm guessing it's probably pretty high. Uh, but this is one of the many different facets of the uh, discussion of immigration that, as I've been saying, we're going to have. But, you know, then you get into some of the media on this and you think they need to do some more, uh, some more research on these topics. Uh, Joy Reid, who is a host at MSNBC. Now, look, we've had some we've heard some dumb things said this week on air. We had. Kirsten Gillibrand with Chained Migration. So that was pretty bad for a sitting U.S. senator. Joy Reid is not a sitting U.S. senator, but she is a host at MSNBC, and I'm assuming she gets paid a whole lot of money to do that job. And she weighed in on the issue of MS-13, and here's how it went.
8: He gives a speech tonight in which he makes it sound like the biggest issue in the United States, uh, the biggest threat is MS-13, a gang nobody that doesn't watch Fox News has ever heard of. So he makes it sound like they're the biggest threat.
6: Nobody that's never watched Fox News has ever heard of MS-13. Mara Salvatrucha 13, an international criminal gang that has infiltrated uh, dozens of states across the country. A, a gang that is well known, actually, in the D.C. area. Some of you who live in some parts of uh, sort of, sort of the, the Beltway region will be like, Yep, we've had really terrible problems with MS 13. Uh, there were two young women murdered, and their parents were with the State of the Union address. That was in Long Island, here in the New York area, about a, an hour or so from where I am doing this show right now. So and and the gangs, yes, they, they say they started in US prisons, but their loc their locus of, of power. Oh, maybe because the border is porous and so MS thirteen gang members can go back and forth, and that's actually an advantage, isn't it? To be able to leave the country where you're doing the crimes and go to a country where you can have relative safe haven because there's no effective rule of law in place, right? El Salvador, Honduras, parts of Mexico. But this is what you're going to get the propagation of ignorance when it comes to immigration, because they would rather tell people lies about things like MS-13 and make this a make gang activity that ties to border security and immigration, Make it an issue of just Fox News, make it a problem of the of the Fox News sphere instead of having to tackle the tackle it and deal with it, which. You know, I think that once we start to force one of the most important things we could do for the immigration debate, in my humble opinion, would be to force states to start keeping much better stats on illegal alien crime and what's going on in the states that has to do with illegal aliens breaking the law in general. The feds have pretty decent stats and and there's a high percentage, especially when you add in drug crimes, a lot of illegal alien drug crime. And so that's already well established. But if you're talking about violent crime, as I've been mentioning to you on the show, then you've really got to get into what's going on at the state level. That's where you get state prisons and the activities of law enforcement that wouldn't be federal necessarily. And that's where I think you'd see that this is a is a big issue. Um, And MS-13 is Frightening. as I've told you, it's also, it's incredibly violent and the gang initiations are are brutal beyond the uh, brutal beyond imagination. Um, but they're also often doing the bidding of bigger transnational criminal organizations. And this is all part of the storyline that you would be hearing if the media cared to talk much about this. but they have and I would also note, you see how it's always, whenever they're talking about illegal immigration, there's always this focus on, well, of course, the valedictorians, the uh, most sympathetic stories possible because they're trying to push a narrative. I get that. Well, you'll notice that they, you don't hear a lot of stories. You don't read a lot of stories about other forms of illegal immigration that are going on that aren't coming from south of the border, that aren't involving Mexico and Central American countries, you yeah. know? Are we allowed to have a... Is it racist? Is it xenophobic? Does it make you a bad person if you think that people who come here from China, specifically to have a baby on U.S. soil so that the baby has citizenship but then go back to China right away so the person is raised in China but then has U.S. citizenship and this means that later on they can come here for uh, for school or for whatever they want to do. Are, are we allowed to object to that? Is that not scamming the system i think actually some guy just got in trouble I, I by the way in i think it was massachusetts for marrying nine women so that they could become permanent residents right it was a uh, a fraudulent marriage scheme these are there are all these different ways that people are abusing the system and enforcement is very low i mean look it's not like the guy got to wife number two or three and they figured out that he was engaged in fraudulent marriage nine and he was busy that's a lot of that's a lot of marriages that's like that's like larry king level marriages he's got i think he's at se- yeah i went there like seven or eight hey buck back off number lucky number seven uh but larry larry i think made it to seven he's made it to seven ones um but is he still on that channel by the way the one that's the he wasn't he on a weird you know, he's still doing a thing right i forget what it is one of these guys who's just never ever gonna give up Never done with, never done with media, never done with, you know. Hey, there's always time for another wife. Uh, but yeah, this guy had had nine. Fuck, like, it could have been true love the whole time with all the different ones. Ah, okay. I mean, look, whatever. It's not my life. Um, but the, the the different ways that the immigration system are scammed, it just it should be bothersome to all Americans. And that's never the discussion we get to have. We never get to talk about. Fixes. It's just all we've heard about are dreamers. I, I want more of a discussion of. Remember, the Trump administration set up an office to set up the statistics of illegal alien crime. I'd like to know what those numbers are. We should all be much more familiar with that. We should know what some of the statistics involved here are. That makes makes it possible for us to make better decisions. So, um, We are going to get into a uh, roll call, obviously, later on. Also, we've got a a phenomenal congressional candidate joining. He's a former Navy SEAL. He's going to tell you his story. And uh, we've got a lot more coming. Oh, and also Mika on Morning Joe said something interesting for a change. We'll be back with that. Stay with me. I do not watch Morning Joe because it is on MSNBC. I also don't watch it because I think it's a smug, boring show full of people who don't say anything particularly insightful. Uh, But occasionally... Any show that's on cable news might stumble upon an interesting exchange. And that actually happened on Morning Joe earlier today. So this guy, Michael Wolf, we all know him because of fire and fury. He's been getting all kinds of heat because he came out and said things like, if it rings true, it is true. Right? He is now a. Uh, an emblem, a symbol of the era of fake news, anti-Trump journalism in which we find ourselves. And he has said some really nasty stuff about various people in Trump's orbit, including the, the really the nastiest has to do with the insinuations that he has made recently that Nikki Haley, the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations and a former governor, as you all know, That she has had an affair with Donald Trump, which is such a grotesque and unfair charge that even repeating the charge that he made makes me feel a little uncomfortable because it feels like it's something that should not be repeated even as as quoting someone else. But we have to smash the lie. And to smash the lie, you have to define it. You do have to say it. And he wrote in the end of the book about how Nikki Haley spent very close to Trump, talking about her future, spending alone time. And then he went on the Bill Maher show, um, which I, for a whole bunch of reasons, have, have never been uh, asked to appear on. I don't think ever will be because I would smoke fools because that's what I do. But the Bill Maher show had this guy on, I think it was last week. I did not watch. I do not watch it. And he said, well, if you want to know something else that, you know, that's interesting about Trump and he's having an affair. And they said, what do you mean? And He goes, well, you know, if you look at the end of my book. You'll get a hint. He was not subtle about it. And so he's basically he's basically said that Nikki Haley is having an affair with the president of the United States, which is just a I mean, this guy's a clown. I want my twelve dollars back for the Kindle download of this guy's book, Fire and Fury. But uh, Mika. Oh, look at this. Mika had had enough. Finally, Here, here is how this exchange went.
7: Let's put this next question uh, the entire credibility of your book, which was written really quickly. Excuse me. Your book. Yes. Uh, let's, let's, let's put it on this next question. Mm-hmm. Do you regret inferring anything about Nikki Haley? I,
9: I, I didn't infer anything about Nikki Haley. What I inferred was that the president is... Um, um, is that m- many of the people around the president believe he is still involved with various women.
7: No, but you said she spent a lot oh, of time in private time with... I, 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 mean, that's,
9: that's, I totally, I totally, uh, I mean that's exactly what people report. And now, and specifically, that was about her bid to become the Secretary of State. So everywhere in the White House okay. they were suddenly in a in a in, in in quite a panic that this was actually happening, Michael, which is why they pushed said Pompeo she out. She
7: has embraced it. Um, I, I'm going to go as far as to say that you might be having a fun time playing.
6: So hold on. So you see what he's doing there, by the way. You know, depending on which audience this guy Wolf is talking to, he he just changes what he's saying or changes what he's inferring. And she's got him here on this one because it is not. It, is, it has not been murky what his insinuation has been. She's not saying you explicitly said it, but you, you know, this is like saying, oh, you know who I think is the dumbest person in Congress? Francie Elosi. Well, I, I, I think people would figure out who I'm referring to, right? You know, it's, it's not, com- I didn't technically name anyone in Congress, but it's, I'm not, I'm not being, I'm not being clever there. Yeah, 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 you are not being clever. So... He continues on with this.
7: Let's put this next question: uh, the entire credibility of your book, which was written really quickly. Excuse your, me. Your book? Yes. Uh, let's 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 put it on this next question. Hmm. Do you regret inferring anything about Nikki Haley? I,
9: I I didn't infer anything about Nikki Haley. What I inferred was that the president is. Um, um, is that m- many of the people around the president believe he is still involved with various women?
7: No, but you said she spent a lot Wait, of time in private time with.
9: That's I totally I got it. totally. Uh, I mean, that's exactly what people report. And now, and specifically, that was about her bid to become the Secretary of State. So everywhere in the White House, okay. they were suddenly in a. In, a, in, in, in quite a panic that this was actually happening, Michael, which is why they pushed said Pompeo out. She
7: has embraced it. Um, I, I'm going to go as far as embraced to say rumor about that you affairs. might be having a fun time playing a little game, dancing around this, but you're slurring a woman. It's disgraceful. It's,
9: and, and um, Mika again. She has been accused of nothing. She has decided to deny what she has not been accused of. Right. Certainly I didn't accuse her of this. Mm-hmm. Wait, are you, are you I, suggesting I, that you know Are you suggesting the language
5: is not uh, ambiguous in any way in the, the things that you've said and the way you've Come on. stated
7: it? Are, are you kidding? You're on the set of Morning Joe. We don't BS here. Well, no, uh,
6: not on the set
9: of Morning Joe. Read me the language. are
7: you kidding me i'm not reading you (laughs) anything if you don't get (laughs) it if you don't get (laughs) what we're talking about i I, I, am sorry this is is awkward you're here on the set with us but we're done michael wolf thank you we're gonna go to break now
6: look i I give her some credit for finally dropping the hammer there although i love this excuse excuse me sir this is the set of morning joe like 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 this is you know 60 minutes in the 80s or something like you just just calm yourself there a little bit all right i've seen a lot of stuff on morning joe it's not impressive uh but uh, this guy this is why this matters i mean forget about the amiga thing because at this point he's become he's become pretty toxic but you'll notice that when it was useful the media was all playing along they're all going on with this and i told you i i want my 12 dollars back from kindle or whatever it was for dabbling this guy's nonsense book but when it was damaging to trump you know this is a common theme when it was useful for them, they're oh, we got to look at this guy, and we got to book him for all these interviews and everything else. You know, you, you look at the way they treat him, and then you compare that to say, I don't know, compare that to like the way the media re- responded to Ann Coulter's book "Adios America," which Trump read and then took some messaging from to become the next president of the United States. You know, oh no, I can't have, you know they, they they've got all these problems about Ann. She talks about it on air all the time, but this guy Michael Wolfe. He comes along with this book. He's just saying nonsense stuff. You read the book, you go, there's no way. And you can always tell, too, the, this whole reconstructed conversations. I can't remember what I said to, like, my family or my girlfriend 12 hours ago. This notion that you're a journalist, you're like, and then he furrowed his brow and said something that's just perfect for my book right then. Like, no way. No way. I've sat in a, a fair amount of high-level government meetings. I've been around people when important national security topics were being discussed. And it's very rare for someone to say something that you're like, wow, that's a real doozy. That's quite, that's quite a line, you know? Mr. President, I don't dance. You know, that's not, it works in clear and present danger, but that's not the way. The old Potomac two-step, Jack. You guys remember that scene in clear and present danger? It's a good movie. Yeah, exactly, you know? You're going to keep this one in your back pocket. I do sound just like the president, so I'm just putting that out there. Getting a little heat lately for some of my impressions, but go back and watch that movie. I could be that actor, whatever his name is. So uh, Anyway, but this whole Michael Wolf book, they used it. They trashed Trump. You know, to, to borrow from the one and only for a second, Rush Limbaugh, the whole notion of the drive-by media, the reason it's such a great thing to say, it's stuck for so long, it's because it's so true right michael wolf it's like he's the guy in the back seat with two tech 9s just spraying all over the place and yeah you know now they'll now they let him go to prison but you know they they drove him there you know they they let him do his thing they let him smear a bunch of people and they let him it is it is just appalling and finally now he really gets called out for it and it's on an issue uh, a me too issue which is also a a place where you'll see plenty of big media names, plenty of folks in the news. This is now a brand issue for them, right? They want to be the person that speaks out against any, any Me Too stuff, and uh, you know, it's it, it's not an act of bravery to stand up now and call it out for, for Me Too. I will. This is kind of funny. I just I just saw this before today on the five. By the way, it's a total change of pace. But they do texts from mom. Do you ever see this? They, they some of them do these texts from their mom. I always, I have a, some, I have some, uh, it's pretty funny. Yeah. I have some conservative friends here in New York and I, I keep all of my personal correspondence in, in privacy and, and always will unless they were to give me permission explicitly and say, you can use this stuff. Cause I get great stuff. I'm like, man, I want to steal some of my friends lines and throw them on Twitter. And I get great stuff sent to me all the time. The conservative underground in New York city is a very, uh, very, well, well read and, and witty group of folks because we have to be, you know, you got to be ready for whatever. Uh, but that's, I guess, uh, I'll have to think about a way to get that going another time. I would love to have some of my stealth conservative friends call in here. We'd have to give them, it would have to be like one of those shows where they they do the the guy who's in the witness protection or something and they do the word, you know, they, met, they make the voice all weird. I didn't do a good job of that impression at all, but and they blur out the face. We'd have to do that with the conservatives because I don't want them getting in trouble out there. Wall Street jobs and whatever else they do here. But these are just segment ideas that I have. So, uh, yeah, anyway. So, good for Mika. Back to Morning Joe. Good for Mika. She uh, finally did something worthwhile on Morning Joe. Uh, we're going to talk to a retired Navy SEAL, a Purple Heart recipient. Uh, we're going to talk to him in just a moment here about his run for Congress. A fascinating guy. Stay with me for that and uh, much more. All right, everybody. So the midterms are a ways away, but we've already got some very interesting stories shaping up some different races across the uh, the country that are getting some attention. I want to introduce you to Dan Crenshaw. Dan is a retired lieutenant commander. Uh, He's running for Congress to replace retiring Republican Congressman Ted Poe. Crenshaw was medically retired after a 10 year career in the Navy SEALs. Uh, Dan revealed that he was hit by an IED blast in Afghanistan while on his third deployment. He lost his right eye, and his left eye was badly damaged. He explains that after several miracle surgeries, he was able to regain sight in his left eye. And Dan Crenshaw, retired Lieutenant Commander Crenshaw, is now running for Congress. Dan, great to have you on.
10: Oh, great to be here. Thank you for having me.
6: All right, I mean, just just tell folks a little bit about your story. It's it's quite compelling, and it's good to see that people with backgrounds like yours are trying to get into the political arena.
10: Yeah, I mean, you know, you hit all the high points, um, did about five deployments overall uh, after I did get hurt. I, I I left the Navy kicking and screaming. Uh, I did two more deployments back to the Middle East. And then my last one in 2016 was uh, in Korea, um, mostly intelligence operations related. So, um, you know, one of the reasons I'm running is because I want people in Congress with a recent and relevant experience on some of the bigger issues our president is facing right now. That's Korea. uh, That's Iran. uh, It's counterterrorism. It's counterproliferation issues. And, uh, you know, the competition doesn't know anything about these. They just got talking points. And when it comes to national security, it comes to border security comes to our defense. You you can't rely on talking points. You can't rely on a think tank to tell you what to think. Uh, You need experience. And uh, I I think the people uh, and, and our leadership in Washington, Needs folks who can hit the ground running. Um, it, it's important to me, and it's important for the safety of our country.
6: Talk to me a bit about Korea, Dan, specifically uh, the North South issue, Kim Jong Un. What do you think about what the Trump administration has been doing thus far, and what would you either like to see changed or more of with regard to North Korea if you were to be in Congress?
10: Well, it, it's there is no easy answer to to solving the North Korean crisis. Um, I think the president is trying a new track. I think there is method to the madness. Uh, you, you, we need to create more leverage over the North Koreans, and that's through China. And the president's doing that with a lot of with a lot of rhetoric that maybe scares people. But if you don't have a credible uh, threat on the table that's a military action on the table, if it's not credible, if they don't think you'll do it, uh, the, the Chinese won't act. And we really need the Chinese to use their influence over the North Koreans to bring them back. And I think behind the scenes we might be seeing that. Uh, so I think there is some method to that, to, to what seems like madness. Um, but it, it, we have to keep the pressure on. We have to look at what, what more sanctions we can do and isolate that regime and punish them for their bad behavior. Um, the, what, what is new about this particular, um, you know, new phase in North Korean relationships is the fact that they have an ICBM that can reach the United States. That. When when this kind of saber-rattling was occurring before, that wasn't the case. We didn't have to worry as much, but it is the case now. And we do have to worry about the time when they can actually put a nuclear warhead on that ICBM that can reach the United States. That's the real ticking time bomb, so to speak, that we do not want to see happen and we cannot let happen.
6: Speaking to uh, retired Lieutenant Commander Dan Crenshaw of the Navy SEALs, he is running for Congress in uh, the Texas Congressional District number 2. Uh, so, tell me about being a Texan, Dan. I love Texas. I used to work for the the Blaze out of Dallas and uh, spent a lot of time down there. I love Texas too, you know. And uh, <laughs> good answer. <laughs>
10: <laughs> it's, it's, it's needless to say. And um, you know, what's important to us in, here in Texas? It's, it's border security first, and it's border security second. Uh, it's economic freedom. Uh, it's patriotism. It's red, white, and blue. That's what we're about, and that's the kind of values I want to bring to Congress. And, I, I, uh, I feel
6: like the, the you keep bringing up the border security issue, by the way, and, and I've been chasing down some some connections between the surge in uh, an opioid deaths in this uh, overdoses in this country and also the, the rising power in Mexico of the cartels, which seems to me to be a, a story that's not getting nearly enough attention. A big part of that is that the, the border, even when there may be illegal alien crossings uh, at, at a downward Tilt for a while the border is still very much open to enterprising drug traffickers who have tremendous resources and a whole lot of economic reason to get across
10: yeah that's exactly right and you really bring up a good point about you know how that might affect our opioid crisis that is really becoming a national security threat uh we're losing people constantly to that uh, all over the country uh we we re- that that's something that i would you know i would support some kind of federal action and funding for um, to combat that, and part of that is border security. Uh, we, you we know, we probably, we probably do see a good deal of that drug trade coming from the southern border. It's also, and there's a lot of reasons. There's an opioid crisis. It's, it's over prescription It's over prescribing these, these drugs. It's, it's bad pharmacies and, and corrupt pharmacies that are dealing them out. Um, tamping down on that is huge. But you know, making sure our border is safe and, and secure is just so important to Texans. We're on the front lines. Uh, we. we we would we appreciate the rest of the country understood that. Um, we know, when you when you hear rhetoric from the Democrats coming out of Joe Kennedy from Massachusetts, you know, I get it. It's different up in Massachusetts. I know, I lived there. I went to I did. I went to Harvard. I get it. But we're we're in Texas. We're on the front lines. Um, we need we need to secure the border. Uh, we see we see how porous it is. We see those kind of those rat lines that you're talking about from the drug trade. It's only a matter of time too and one thing we need to be thinking about it. there's really ungoverned territories on the other side what happens when when other entities like al-qaeda or isis want to use those same lines of entry uh and, and those interests align between the drug cartels and um, you know jihadist groups what happens then
6: one that more hasn't
10: qu- yet but we need to be worried about it
6: one more for you uh, dan and uh, that is and look, I'm putting you on the hot seat a little bit here, but you're running for office, so this shouldn't, this shouldn't be a surprise or come as anything new to you. Your favorite all-time military memoir? Jeez, how
10: about, how about I give you a really cheesy one? Uh, you know, how about the book that got me started on this path? And it's a little cheesy, but it's written by uh, Dick Marcinko. It's called Rogue Warrior. And, you know, it's if I hadn't read that book, I wouldn't be here now.
6: I know Rogue I 12, Warrior. It's a great book.
10: I was twelve. I was twelve years old, uh, and you know that that's that's what set me on this path. And I, you know, I read it when I was twelve and wanted to be a SEAL ever since.
6: I like it. Good story. Good answer. We'll take it. Uh, Dan, where should people go if they want to learn more about your campaign and uh, send some support your way?
10: Please go to CrenshawforCongress dot com. That's C R E N S H A W F O R Congress dot com. You can donate there. You can see my media appearances. Talk about the issues on there. Please go there and uh, check out the campaign and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. All the links are there.
6: A great story. A strong candidate. Dan Crenshaw, everybody, down in Texas running for Congress. Dan, thank you for your service. Best of luck. Thank you very much, Dan. All right, team. So we are going to roll into a break. here. We're going to get into some Team Buck roll call. See, I'm, I'm I'm back on my game today in terms of not getting things confused in, in the head quite the same way as I did yesterday. We'll get to some roll call and uh, hear from all of you. All right, everybody, it's the end of the show. So this is where you guys get to tell me
5: what we're talking about with Roll Call. Team Buck, it's time for Roll Call. It is indeed.
6: All right, let's see what we got up first. This is always a little risky, by the way. Sometimes I start reading stuff and I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, I can't read that on the radio. So hopefully, hopefully we won't have any of that today, although that can happen for sure. Hey, you know, we got to keep it spicy. Got to keep you on your toes out there in radio listening land. Speaking of spicy, Miss Molly said that she thinks that we should have a cook-off because I'm getting a little big for my britches with my culinary skills, talking a big game about my ribeye searing and various other escapades in the kitchen. And I'm like, honey, we're on the same team. We don't do opposing teams. I'll let you, you know, I'll be the sous chef. You get to run the kitchen. That's the way we'll do this, but... She's uh, she's got quite a when she puts her mind to it. She's actually got quite a good hand in the kitchen. Um, I'm not going to say that I don't. You know, one day I will do my version of eggs a la buck. Uh, and I will show you all maybe on a Facebook live video just how to make the best scrambled eggs there are. I mean, there are a few key tips I really should show you. Because the problem I have now, though, is anywhere I go and I order scrambled eggs, I'm like, eh these are OK, technically speaking. Technically, these are scrambled eggs, but they're also not as good as my scrambled eggs. I'm just saying. So uh, let's get into some Team Buck Speaks here. We got... See, I just did it. Some roll call. Those novels that you were thinking about, this is from Alan, that were sold at grocery stores were called dime store novels. Back in the day, that's where you would find it was nickel and dime stores, and they were considered to be trash books for women. Yes, yes, Alan, that is correct. Dime store novels. That is what I'm talking about, you know, the historical piece. that it's always, you know, her husband, you know, her husband left for the war. And then like the the handsome guy comes through town and then the husband returns from war. And then, you know, the passion, the, you know, the drama, all that stuff. Um, not that I-, I didn't read them. I'm just I saw the covers of them sometimes. All right, here we go. Uh, Ilsa writes in, Buck, I never know if it does any good to send you messages here. Well, Ilsa, you're getting your message read on a nationally broadcast radio show. Uh, but I don't know how else to get your attention. I don't remember how I reached you when I was actually uh, getting you to write back about my husband's escape from communist Yugoslavia. But my concern today is with the Judicial Watch report another friend shared with me that was about the GOP flying DACA recipients to different areas on commercial flights of the country. What do you know about this? Several people are now saying that they will not vote for Republicans again if this report is true. Ilsa, I will tell you, I don't know much about it. Let me look into it. And if it's true and if it's happening, I will come back to you with a uh, with some analysis on it. But for right now, I just I don't know what the specifics are of the uh, incident or the situation that you are citing. So I will take a... Uh, A rain check on the question if that's okay for now. Uh, Let's see. Oh, here we go. Michael writes in Man, your Trey Gowdy was the worst. (laughs) You've done some real stinkers, but that one takes the cake. Uh, Hillary is still the best. What happened is still the best. Okay, Michael, thank you. I agree uh, that Hillary is still the best. But you really, the Trey Gowdy is? Excuse me, sir. Are you going to answer the question or not? No, you're in my courtroom, sir. Really, it doesn't sound at all like Trey Gowdy. Come on, come on. I think it's a little bit. I don't think it's the worst. I think I've definitely done worse. I've done worse ones. I had to stop doing Al Gore because my Al Gore needed to be better than it was, and it didn't sound enough like Al Gore. So I got to work on my Al Gore. Jessica writes in, "Hey Buck, and also though." Al Gore's not really famous these days, or he's not talked about in the media, so maybe I don't have to work on my Al Gore. You're all like, yeah. That's a way better plan. Uh, Jessica with the next one. Hey, Buck, I've been listening to your Shields High podcast, but to be honest, I'm a person that learns better by reading literature myself. Is this all from a book that I can get my hands on? Uh, Well, Jessica, not really. It's my stream of consciousness about the different historical periods and and incidents that I'm talking to you about. I can give you some books to read that touch on the subject matter. And I could put that maybe up on Facebook as a response to you and everyone else can see it as well. Uh I am very uh well I'm, I'm very fond of some of the works of Roger Crowley. He wrote a book on uh called Empire of the Seas, which was very good about the Ottoman advance across the Mediterranean. He also wrote a book called 1453 specifically about the fall of Constantinople, that's very good. A lot of my crusades uh, reading is actually a, a compilation of contemporary chroniclers. So that's more like a compendium of sources, you know, folklore of of Chart and uh, other dif- other other different other people that were writing about it from the time period. So I don't have a book for you, but I can tell you that uh, there are books that go into it. And the first two shows were scripted. And then in response to comments from all of you, after that, I said, all right, I'm not going to do a script anymore. I'm just going to kind of go and talk about it. And that seems to be working pretty well. Uh, some of you seem to think that's a more stylistically, that's a better choice. So that's where we've been doing the uh, Shields High. Uh, let's see what we get next. Um William writes the milk cart the milk in cartons and all the cocoa packages I could get from MREs. I mix those with the coffee packs three years in Iraq. I love your shields high episodes, but I understand the research and hard work. Maybe you should quit the podcast and make some Nat Geo type TV episodes. Dream big buck William. Oh, William, I would love to do that. Maybe somebody should just come along and, you know, fund my, my project. I mean, the, I, I think they. uh, A TV series on Lepanto would be really awesome. And I've said that before. Uh, Malta would be really cool too, because it it does, it'd actually be a good movie. I think it would be a good movie in the epic cinematic genre, but it probably costs a lot of money. So, Uh, Damien, next up on Roll Call. Buck, have you ever thought about live streaming the show on a platform like YouTube or Facebook Live? As always, thanks to your service to our country and shields high. Uh, Damien, yes, we've thought about it. And yes, we are going to put something together where we're going to be live streaming at some point in the future, uh, a portion of the radio show, if not all of the radio show. So the answer to your question is yes. Uh, we don't have it up yet. Facebook Live would be a lot of fun. I, I kind of like the idea, though, of having something that's up on bucksexon.com that's specific to the team and, I'd like to get away from relying on some of these third-party social media platforms because I'm, I'm losing faith and trust that they're, well, I'm losing faith that they can be trusted. How about that? Uh, next up here, um, Tyler. Oh, no, Tyler, we did that one yesterday. See, I, I, I remember. Uh, Doug writes, in hey, Buck, while watching an old favorite, this scene stood out as a sum total of what we see from the Democrats' resistance mindset for the past year. Uh, oh, it's Monty Python, she's a witch. Yeah, I know that sketch. That's uh, I kind of remember that one, I think. Uh, let's see who's next up on the list. Michelle says, Trey Gowdy said from the start that he'd only spent X number of years in office. I don't believe there's any more to it than that. Uh, shields high. Well, Michelle, you may very well be right. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know. And while I I do it, apparently not a particularly accurate impression of Trey Gowdy, it is with uh, it is a a, an impression done with fondness. I I think that he's or not fondness. I don't know him, but, you know, respectfully, I'm laughing with Trey. I'm not laughing at Trey, Uh, but I I do think he'd be a very interesting pick for an administration. He certainly has the the background. He's got the chops, as they say, to uh, take a senior administration post. Uh, by the way, don't let me forget uh, producer Mike. That we need to get some of the emails going from officialteambuck at gmail.com. I don't want to just be on the Facebook here. Speaking of letting these uh, platforms dominate everything that we're doing, which is increasingly the case all the time now. You got all this Facebook stuff, and I keep looking into. The, I keep seeing these articles where they're saying, you know, they're it's like rewiring our brains, and yeah, it needs. To, we need to think of social media like TV. You wouldn't watch. TV in three-minute increments all day long. And that's the way you should—a little bit of social media and then put it down, right? A little bit of social media and then put it down. Not a uh, constant—it's like a slow-rolling binge of just social media all the time. Ken, next one here. Buck, the whole issue is not about Trump being president. It's about Hillary not being president. Any other Republican candidate would have seen in the same position, and the FISA warrant would have been against their campaign manager— your thoughts. Oh, you know, Ken, I don't think so, because I mean, look, I can't prove that you're wrong because we don't know. We can't prove a negative here. We Can't go back and change history. But because of some of the associates that Trump had around him, uh, I think that there is a case to be made that there was greater susceptibility because of Manafort's and the like to the kinds of uh, discretionary abuses at FBI and DOJ. And I just realized uh, we're closing up the shop here at the Freedom Hut for today. Freestyle Friday is tomorrow. Shields high.